Welcome to Punch Card Investing, a weekly show dedicated to all things value investing. Whether it be analyzing companies, pitching ideas, or discussing moves by the best investors in the world, we're trying to get one step closer to punching an investment off of our cards. Let's get started. Thank you, Intro Man. Coming in at a very different time of the week, but as consistent as ever. Uh, mixing it up a bit this week, I'm joined by Mike Sharp once again. Uh, we're going to be talking about contrarian investing and that general philosophy and the, the benefits and drawbacks of, of contrarian investing, as well as, as well as what it actually means. What, what, what does it really mean to be contrarian? Um, and it's sort of as a teaser for some upcoming content here on the channel. Uh, Mike will actually be doing a show for Punch Card Investing, a separate show from our kind of main show we're doing here. Uh, and it'll be talking quite a bit about these sort of contrarian topics or using it as sort of a theme. So uh, with with that as a kind of a teaser, uh, this should serve as a nice little intro into that uh, in, into that world of value investing and, and stock investing more generally. But before we get into that, definitely be sure to subscribe if you're here on YouTube or if you're listening to this via podcast, definitely subscribe on whatever platform you're on so you don't miss future episodes. Uh, this is, uh, like I said, if you're watching this live, it's a very different time than we're normally doing in the middle of the week. But uh, thanks to a bunch of traveling going on in the next week or so, um, it made a lot more sense just to get a get an episode out now while we could. So um, uh, with that as sort of our background, uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that great stuff. Check out the stuff in the description below. And uh, welcome again, Mike. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, uh, this is an awkward time for you or not, but I, I know we, it took us a second to get on because uh, it's, it's certainly out of my routine doing it right now. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. I always uh, enjoy being on. Glad to do it. Yeah, and I think that, uh, I mean, this is as good a time as any for me like during the day. So let's do it. Yeah, well, we might have a new uh, live audience here. If, you, if you're new to the live show, then definitely feel free to leave some questions or comments in the chat, and uh, we can try to get to them as we kind of go through our topic here. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, we were kind of talking between you and I about uh, when we were, we were talking about show ideas, for example, since you, you were interested in doing a show for Punch Card, and we were kind of trying to figure out where, where to go with that. Um, and, and you were very quick on the sort of contrarian train, uh, like just talking about contrarian picks and 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 contrarian investing more more broadly. Um, what what is contrarian investing exactly? I think everyone has an idea of what that means, but it's probably different for every person, at least a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if there's a there must be a technical definition of it somewhere, but um, I think that you know it's based on the the, the basis of it is going against the crowd, right? Like going against the predominant sentiment um, and go, basically going in the opposite direction of what the, 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 the standard thinking is, right? So like within that, you have stuff like, you know, unloved stocks, right? Stuff that's just ignored by the general market, stuff that can be really boring and just ignored. You can have stuff that's actively like hated, um, you know, like, I'll probably use meta as a lot of <laughs> in a lot of this today, but like you know, six months ago, sides. meta was just hated by everyone, right? You could yeah. like it was, and and Zuckerberg, you know, as a human was has been hated for years, right? You say as um, a human, that's interesting, but <laughs> <laughs> or or as a or as a robot, whatever. You know. <laughs> um, 
you know, I think that like personally, what a lot of the time, what I see, what I look for is that like kind of like a, a temporary problem that the market is pricing as a permanent problem, right? Because we know the market's pretty short-sighted. So sometimes you get these problems that might get resolved in a year, but the market is going, okay, I'm out of here. This is terrible. What a disaster. And if you can just, if your time frame is just a little bit longer than what the market's gen is, you can, you can find stuff that can revalue over, you know, year, two, three years. How do you determine what the market is thinking or feeling? Cause you know, to be contrarian, you kind of have to know what the, what the general stance is. It's just based on, what, price movements, news, what, what are you looking for? Well, the first thing I, I always see when it pops up is the ski jump chart. <laughs> sure. Right? Like that's a pretty good first indicator. <laughs> um, but I think there's there's other ways that are less, I guess, precise. Like if you, you know, Seeking Alpha. Yeah. Right? You can... Yeah, you know, we have an affiliate link in the description below, Mike. Oh, okay, there you go. We're Seeking Alpha. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so check that out if you haven't already. <laughs> it's a great way to get... Because people are just putting up their thoughts, right? It's a, it's a great way to sort of get a get a feel, uh, like take the temperature of the market. And also, basically, if you read the, like, uh, mainstream financial news, you know, CNN, M what is it, MSNBC? Yeah, um, C uh, CNBC is the... NBC. Yeah, like even the Wall, the Wall Street Journal is maybe a bit better, but like that kind of stuff, you can that they're really speaking to um, the general audience. And I think my number one, my number one uh, sentiment temperature check is Jim Cramer, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there's, you know, there's the uh, inverse Cramer Twitter account and fun. Of course, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's always a, that's always a classic. Um, Okay, so yeah, that's I kind of concur there. It's just general media, CNBC being a big one for me as well. Um, Seeking Alpha is very good as well for more, um, uh, call it individual investor takes, if you will. Uh, you know, maybe some smaller investors or or analysts who are following the stock but aren't maybe at the big national level, like like someone on CNBC or something, yeah. uh, or someone who would get invited on the CNBC. Um, so. I think that's a pretty good way to gauge it. Maybe maybe Twitter as well could be a good one too. Uh, for oh yeah, yeah, really, Twitter is great. It's true. Yeah, more generally for aggregating a lot of these sources. Um, totally. Okay, so let's say you identify uh, something that is getting beaten down. Well, what's kind of do you have like a, a process you follow to be like, okay, are people wrong here? Do you, do you ask a certain set of questions? What are you actually looking for? I don't know if there's much of a, you know, a set process, but I think that like, so if I back up a bit, like one of the, one of the things I also do is like, I look at, I look at my own thinking, right? Because I, you know, linear thinking is, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's the, it's what creates sentiment, right? So if you take like, if you, let's say you get a, a set of news from whatever stock, and your first set of like thoughts that you have and, and processing it and say, okay, what does that mean for the stock? It's, oh, that's probably means it's going to do this, right? It'll go up because of, I don't know, like Alibaba started to, you know, talk about AI, right? Stock's going to go up, right? Um, sure. But the thing that I realized, like um, the thing, I, 
I don't really want to speak for anyone else, but I think what happens in the market is everybody thinks they're not part of the herd. <laughs> yep. So once I realized that I was part of the herd, what I had to do was take my initial set of thinking and then go, that's probably what everybody thinks. So I should look at the opposite of that. Like I should challenge my own thinking. Maybe I'm consensus sentiment, right? And once I learned to do that, it was, you know, it opened up a few sort of like different ways of looking at things. Um, sorry, I didn't answer your question. I went off on no, another Actually, before you get back to that, I, I, I like the point about um, not, I, I like to think of it more as, the average person believes that they're above average. So, you know, what the chances of you being above average are very slim by definition, or or at least they're uh, slimmer than the chances that you're average. Um, Yeah. And and you're never going to get a truly honest take because you're so biased. So it's just like, you can find ways to check that. Um, It's a good place to start. Just identifying it in the first place, identifying that potential limitation is, is already hard enough to do. But after you do kind of, well, what are you kind of looking at from there? Sorry, I'm going to keep on that point for one more second. So Not like sure. once you start realizing that most market participants are actually smart, like there's there's all these Harvard grads and MIT sure. grads, and every, they're all in the market, right, with way better tools than I have, right? So I'm like, oh, maybe I'm in the low, I might be in the lower part of this thing, right? So. <laughs> So then, so then beyond that, what, like, what do I do? Let's say I identify something like, okay, that, you know, let's say, like, can I use meta as an example? So last, um, last October, November, it was, it was decimated, right? Like right. released quarter three, everybody was angry about the metaverse spend. The growth had basically stalled. It looked like, you know, they had 0% year over year growth and, um, Zuckerberg was hated. So then, then what do I do? Right? Like I have to figure out if I have to do my best to figure out if the problem is permanent. Right. And so, you know, that's, that's more art than science. Right. But I think you just end up reading and finding what's the actual, what's the actual bear case here that people are jumping on. Right. And is that, is that a temporary thing? Right. Like, metaverse spend i thought well that's temporary it's either going to work right or it's, or it's not going to work and they'll get rid of it in a while right yeah right that that, that that it was what's weird what's actually really weird about meta in particular is um yeah the the media and just the general market was just was beating it down partly because the i call it a pr nightmare that, that zuckerberg was leading with with the uh uh, metaverse stuff because it, it just made it sound so unattractive um, oh, yeah. and it was very expensive at the time but yeah it's like they've made a bunch of money before they're not they're not stupid like they're at least that stupid that if it really was a disaster they'd eventually stop um, but then all it's, it's weird because they didn't really stop the metaverse spending no they started doing layoffs of course but then all, all of a sudden the media is just back uh, just I don't know if it's because AI t- took over the, the headlines or something or but all of a sudden, it's no longer um, it's no longer like the villain anymore. Uh, whereas, whereas it was for a good you know three four months there, it seemed like. And now all of a sudden, it's great again. It's soaring higher than ever, um, which is just it was just such a quick turnaround and begs the question: Okay, is the, is the contrarian play now to, to get back on the other side of that? Um, uh, is, is it overhyped now? And then, I don't know how you look at that when when a stock actually has run up after your your uh, after your initial bets. 
that that might have been contrarian at the time, but now it's no longer so contrarian, right? Um, how do you yeah, kind no. of reevaluate that? Yeah, it's hard. Like being contrarian, I think on the on the downside is easier than on the upside, right? Because yeah, I mean we we saw like what was the most what was the highest death toll trade over the last five years? It was shorting Tesla, right? Right. <laughs> and it was overvalued the whole time, right? So it's like my I don't really short things now because it's too dangerous. Like, but with Meta, for example, like I bought a whole bunch while it was down there, and I've been lightening up as it's going up, right? I still have about a quarter of the position that I started with, but like if I'm buying for a sentiment-based reason like Meta, mm-hmm. the reason's gone now, right? It's not like, I, I, think it's yeah, great, right. I think it's a great business, but right, I didn't right. buy because it's a great business. I bought because the sentiment was was terrible. Right. Yeah. So, that That's the thing. Like when the, yeah, when the basis is, I don't want to call it momentum, but if that was kind of your initial basis, ah, the market hates it when it shouldn't, but now the market doesn't hate it anymore. It's well, uh, now why am I here? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Just hoping yeah. for it to go up to 400. Like, <laughs> well, so in that case, why, why trim is, uh, why, why hold any at that point? Unless you still believe that, it, that, uh, uh, that there's enough meat on the bone, if you will. Yeah. Like I, I still do the, the fundamental analysis, right? So I still think it's mm-hmm. fairly priced right now for the company that it is, okay. but I just don't think I have any special insight that other people don't have. Right. So I'd rather keep the position pretty small and just kind of like leave it. Um, it's a good question. I don't actually know. Maybe I should get rid of it. I'm still thinking about that. Right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it is a, you mentioned that it's, it's easier on that. It's easier when it's beaten down to get in potentially. And then if it does run up, that's just, a, it's a weird problem to have, I guess. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. good problem, I guess, because it's, because it has run up, but something about just like the, I don't know if it's a desire for more. It's like a greed thing. It's just like, ah, it's gone this high. Like what about a little bit more? And, you know, you know, is it, is it that that's a kind of limitation or is it something else? I, I, I actually don't know. Like, um, so the, the greed on the, the upside you're saying, or the, yeah, yeah. the risk on the upside? You, well, you have, let's say you have a double, um, we'll just buy easy double on Facebook, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no. you, you hit the easy double and that, you know, what's, what's the trigger to actually get out versus, uh, or I guess what is the motivation to, to hang on? Is it, you know, oh, it's doubled once. Why can't it double again? Um, yeah. Well, I think that like um, if I expand, like contrarian is one part of sentiment investing, right? And then like when you start, there's other parts to it, right? Like when you get momentum, when everybody's jumping in, that's sort of the meat of the move and you don't really know how long that's going to go. Right. So, right. You need, So I'm starting to look for things that might be like, okay, this might trigger a change in sentiment. Like there was some, I forget what the news was today that Zuckerberg got in trouble for something or, but they, they also said that they were going to um, start raising their cost levels in 2024. Right. So all the, I don't know how closely you follow meta, but like their cost base is coming down. That's why the margins are expanding. And then next year they're saying, it sounds like they're saying that's going to reverse next year. So, you know, markets, right. When stuff gets worse, the sentiment gets worse, right? So it could right. be somewhere in the future. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it, it's just like a it, it's a tough problem because you have the combination of actually paying attention to the fundamentals, but at least with contrarian investing, you're you're probably also paying attention to, to market sentiment sentiment a good bit, or not so much you're paying attention to it, but 
the fact that the sentiment got so bad is probably a big reason you got in. And then if the sentiment turns, now you're trying to weigh that um, potentially. And that that's like a challenge in itself. Maybe that's a flawed way to go into it, but yeah. um, it yeah, seems kind of unavoidable if it's a truly contrarian position, right? Yeah, because at some point it's not contrarian, right? And you're like, okay, right. No. right. Um, I mean, that you you sent me some questions, right? And one of them was like, what are the you know what are the the risks and the drawbacks to this, right? And and one of the drawbacks I've found is that let I, I own a company called Teva, right? I don't know if you ever heard of Teva. No, uh, I feel I've heard of it, but I'm not really familiar. It's a it's a generic pharmaceutical company in sure. Israel. They have a big operation in the U.S. and and yeah and Europe, and it's a terrible company. And it's crap and they have tons of debt and <laughs> everyone hates it. And like I bought it at three times earnings and then it keeps going up and then it'll go up to five times earnings. And then you're like, I own this piece of junk. <laughs> I don't want to. So you, so what I, what the problem that I have is that I think, okay, I'll buy it at three times earnings. I'll sell it at six. But once it starts getting at four or five, I'm like, I don't like this company. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to try and hold it to six times earnings, right? So I never quite get as much as I think I'm going to get. Yeah, I guess that kind of it makes me think of a cigar butt or cigar butt investing and yes. OG Warren Buffett sort of philosophies, maybe. Because yeah. um, well, that, by definition, that would be pretty contrarian in that you're you're buying probably a not very desirable company, kind of like what you described only maybe, maybe quite a bit smaller. Um, and there's not a lot of, you know, darling uh, analyst ratings. Um, there, there's not a bunch of great positive sentiment around it, but there's, there's some, there's some value there uh, just in liquidation value or, or in something. It's just so cheap that even if it declines for a while, there, there, there's enough you can take out of it that it, that it makes sense. If, 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 uh, yeah, it goes from one times earnings to two. Like that's still a double <laughs> um, as long as earnings don't decline too fast. Um, so, it, I, I guess it, I guess cigar butt style investing. I would kind of wrap into this too. Um, that we got we have a comment here from from our man Eunice who says that contrarian investing isn't part of value investing. Uh, I've I've always thought that value investing is inherently contrarian. At least if you're going off the basis that uh, the yeah you're buying something for less than its intrinsic value, which would imply that the market va- that you're saying that the market is wrong. Um, so I think it, that's how my definition works. I don't know if you look at this differently. Do you, do you agree with Eunice here? Uh, isn't part of value investing. I, I kind of agree with what you're saying that it was, it's actually the original basis for value. Yeah. Investing. Like I was just reading, rereading um, Graham, Ben Graham. And basically that's what it is, right? You just, I think you're cutting Mike or it might be me. No, it's, it might be me. How's that? Yeah. You, you just got a little choppy there for a second, but you, you said you were uh, returning to Ben Graham. So yeah, I just read some, some Ben Graham and, and basically that's what he's saying, right? You're, you're finding the intrinsic value, finding something that's trading well below it, which would mean that there's not a lot of love for it. Right. And then it reverts to that value. And then Buffett came along and said, like this is the other downside. This is why why I think Buffett stopped doing it was because you can't get the two, three, ten baggers out of it. 
right? Like you, those, those aren't just aren't available, right? If you're going to try and find wonderful businesses that have the chance of going up 20 fold, that's not, you know, you're not going to find a lot of them. This You can find them, but you know, you're, you're trying to, you're hitting a lot of singles here rather than any, rather than the home runs. Well, yeah, sense. most likely. Um, because at least with cigar butt style investing, you probably don't need a, a sentiment turn. But if you're trying to get those big, I, I actually, I kind of wonder that. I just, I was just kind of thinking this through. Um, of all like the hundred baggers out there, how many of them have come after some major downturn or some major like market sentiment trough and had some fundamental success too, you know, growth and earnings and all that, but also a sentiment shift at the same time to where the, the multiple expands a bunch. Maybe, maybe Costco is kind of an example where um, fundamentals have been great. They've been expanding earnings the whole time, but at the same time, the earnings multiple has, has, uh, has gone very high as people see it increasingly as like a defensive sort of stock. Um, uh, so it's kind of a big benefit there on, on the, on the sentiment side of things, maybe, um, at least for the, the big, big, you know, 20, 30 baggers and those sorts of things. Uh, I wonder if there are good counter examples to that, uh, just, just kind of a theory I'm thinking right now. I, I would imagine that there are, because, you know, to get a hundred bagger, you're going to have to get, get most things cheap to begin with. And they have to right. be, they're, they're, they're cheap for a reason, right? Well, what's the reason, Right. Like, even if you look back, I don't know if you can pull up a chart of Apple, but I remember digging into Apple, I think it was 2014 or 15, and mm-hmm. it was selling at 10 times earnings. And the sentiment was extremely negative because the growth had looked like it had stopped, right? Yeah. It's got to be up 10 times since then. I don't, I don't actually right. know. Yeah, but significantly, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, because the, the multiple expanded and then the, earn, the earnings growth came back, right? It's just like... you. Uh, what's the what's the book hundred to one? No, um, yeah, hundred to one. Have you read that one? Hundred to one in the stock market. I actually haven't. No, um, uh, it's quite good. He goes through a whole bunch of examples of yeah. hundred to one, and then um, there's another follow up one. I forget what it's called, um, but basically trying to find hundred baggers, and it says you need two things, right? You need the multiple expansion, like you're saying, and you need the the consistent compounding growth, right? If you don't have yeah. both of those, it's really difficult. Yeah, I'm, that actually makes me think what uh, I think I was talking about this with James on, on our last show. Um, but when I when I was reading or maybe it was on Twitter, actually, uh, I recently read the Warren Buffett way. Finally, I've had it on my shelf for years, but I finally actually got to it. Um, and I, one thing I just noticed a lot more with that book in particular is all a lot of these big winners that, that he was highlighting were really turnaround plays or not like extreme turnarounds, but a lot of these businesses that Buffett would buy into would be going through a downtime with, with earnings. Maybe they had a couple bad years, but otherwise were part of a pretty longstanding brand that maybe has navigated things before, but maybe there's some management change going on. But typically there was something pretty fundamentally bad going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as though he was just buying like a, a, a great company from day one that was, you know, what he now has 10 years later, it, it was probably going through some rough things and needed a few things to happen to then get back to the wonderful company status, if you will. Um, and that, yeah, well, that, that in itself seems pretty contrarian because he's going in for kind of these turnaround management plays, maybe not extreme turnarounds, but it's not like things were in a fundamentally positive direction uh, when he got into it. It was kind of after he got into it and he saw that uh, he, through his own business savvy, he saw the turnaround 
uh, potential, but you know, it's not like it was super obvious to everyone. Um, at least not to the market that was selling it down at the time. Well, I mean, that's, isn't that the Coke story? The Coke was having a bad time. Right. Right. And that's yeah, that where one of them. Yeah. And I, th- I think it was the same with the Washington post. I can't remember the Washington post story, but I think it was similar that something was really, really wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think basically every example, it talks about the Post and also uh, Coke, um, as well as a, a few others. I'm, I need, need to double check on which companies exactly, but, you know, they'd be like, yeah, they'd have a couple bad years of earnings, uh, but otherwise had, had good brand value and all the all the good things that Buffett likes and his wonderful businesses. But um, but really, it would be hard to call them a wonderful business in that year or two that he was buying them. Um, it was more that they would return to wonderful status, uh, I think would be a, a decent way to look at it, um, at least for the the, the big uh, success stories. Um, it was rare that they were just sitting pretty and were doing fine and the market was just selling it off. Usually there was some reason that the market was selling it off, uh, like earnings going down. Something, yeah, like you were kind of saying before, the, the market isn't necessarily stupid. <laughs> like there, there are some real concerns that, that people are are thinking of and you got to ask how valid are those concerns for the long term? They might be very valid in the short term, but if you're a long-term investor, that's where you have an advantage maybe. And so, well, but sometimes they're like, this is another pitfall would be, yes, I agree. Like Mm -hmm. if you look at with Buffett's stuff, like almost everything he buys is the the charts doing this, right? I don't know if we can do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then Charlie's statement about, or I don't know if it's his or Charlie, but they're basically saying you want to buy a wonderful business at a at a fair fair price, mm-hmm. right? And I think people misinterpret that as you want to buy a great business at any, at any price. Sure, right? So like, oh, Apple's so great, I'll buy it now. Like, I, I wouldn't buy it now. It's yeah, what's it saying, forty times earnings. Yeah, right, right. You need a lot of uh. You need a lot to happen when when you're buying it that expensively. Not that it couldn't happen, but the the, the equation is definitely different. I think is where you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not it's not just buy great businesses at any price. But uh, yeah, I think the other the other downside here is that if you know this has happened to me where you misinterpret or I misinterpret this is a temporary problem and actually the business is in in collapse. Yeah, that's and, the big risk. I think with that with what we're kind of talking about with turnarounds, but. I call it, I'll call it a light turnaround. It's not like you're, you're taking a business that's, uh, you know, on death's doorstep and then you're, you're turning it around from there. It's more like it's in a, it's in a bit of a decline. Maybe they're done growing. Uh, maybe they're going to decline a bit more from here. Probably not going to go bankrupt, but you know, they're kind of going through that sort of thing is what a lot of those big success stories were. Um, yeah. So um, you call it, call it a light turnaround maybe, which is still contrarian because it's, you're betting on the turnaround, which other people aren't. Or at least well, sometimes it's, sometimes it's just cyclicality too, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I bought a whole bunch of oil stocks in 2020 because the market was pricing it like oil was not the thing that was going to run the world in the future. <laughs> like that's, you just have like to wait. Negative I, don't, oil. <laughs> I don't know when it's going to happen, but that's going to turn around. Like oil is not going to be at $25 forever, right? We need it. And, right. and stuff like semiconductors, they go through a cycle, right? And so... Um, like that was one of the things I looked at. Uh, we're talking about seeking alpha. Like if you look back on the, the low parts of the cycle with semiconductors, it's like sell, sell, hold, <laughs> hold, sell. And you're like, right. okay. <laughs> and then it, and now it's all green, right? 
Yeah, or it makes was me wonder. green last year, let's say. Sure, sure. It makes you wonder a bit. Um, yeah, what? let's kind of get back to sort of drawbacks and risks here. Uh, I think you just mentioned a really good one, which is you think that a temporary risk, or you think that something is a temporary problem. It's actually a long-term fundamental uh, problem. Maybe it's an industry-wide problem that you're not really going to avoid. Uh how do you how do you make that determination? Because you know these things happen maybe over years. What are you paying attention to there? Is there a trigger that would that would get you to realize that? Oh no, this actually isn't temporary. It is long term. Uh, I'm out. Well, I mean, for me, I have to have like I have to have markers and I have to have a catalyst usually, right? Mm-hmm. So I can say, did it happen? Did it respond the way I thought it was going to respond? Or did the catalyst didn't happen? Therefore, I'm in the ocean with no boat, right? Like, I don't know what I'm sure. doing now, right? Like, so I think if we look at, you know, I've talked about some of the stuff that I've got right, but like I just recently sold ASOS, ASOS, ASOS. Yeah. And my theory was that they were just going through a cyclical down cycle with their margins and they would come out of that and then the stock would revalue. And then what happened is it kept going down, down, Oh, we're almost bankrupt. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and so, so, I mean, at some point I was going, oh, I'm wrong here, right? Because if there's an earnings recession on the, on the horizon somewhere and I'm waiting for earnings to turn around, like I have to go through a minefield to get there first. Yeah, right. right? I, thought, I thought it was going to happen before that and there's no sign of it. So I said, I just, like I took a pretty big hit on that one just to, and I, and I was totally wrong on it. And that, and that stuff hurts. Right. And so, you know, like, I think I lost 45%. So that means I've got to double something else just to make it up. Right. So there's, there's definite problems with the, with it. If you get the analysis wrong. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that might not even be unique to, I think what we're kind of getting to, which is like really contrarian investing. That's just like an investing problem. Generally, you know, you could always be wrong. Um, uh, and it, it's determining when you're wrong or, or deciding when you're wrong, I guess. You never really know <laughs> until until everything's over. But uh, yeah, at least you have to make it. You're making these calls all the time, uh, whether, whether you're right or wrong. Well, like if we go back to what you're saying about cigar butts and then like um, Ben Graham, his the problem he came up against, well, my understanding of it is that he would just buy the stuff that was undervalued and would just sit there forever because there was no reason it should go up, right? He was just waiting, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm usually looking for something I can say, this should happen at that point. You know, like I'm looking for a catalyst, right? Okay. Like, and then if it doesn't at that point, then you're, you make your, your follow-up like, decision then. Yeah, like my, like if we go back to meta, my, my belief was that the catalyst was that they were going to cut costs. Right, and that the earnings would expand, and the market would like that. Right, if it was all built on a theory that Mark Zuckerberg likes money, right, so he's not <laughs> just going to sit there and right, right, yeah, and burn fifteen billion a year or whatever, and and call it a day. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, this guy's good. This guy wants to make money, right? Like, let's see if he can get back there because he's he started to. It sounded like he cared after the third quarter. Third quarter said we're going to start managing our costs. I'm like, right there it is. Right. Okay. If he does it great. If he doesn't, if he, if he, if he fails at that and we're still at flat revenue and flat earnings, 
then I'm, then I got to get out. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, do you, do you write those down? Like, uh, do you have it written? Cause I think that would be very hard to actually do in practice. In theory, it sounds wonderful, but like, uh, you, you know, it gets emotional if the, if the stock's ripping up or down. Um, do, do you write it down somewhere? Like if, if Zuckerberg does X, Y, Z, then I will X, Y, Z or, you know, I, I usually, like I take notes. Yeah. But I think that was like, that was actually my point reason to do YouTube. Right. Because I had some accountability, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't even really care if anybody watched. It was like, I'm going to tell my theory to the camera and put it there and I have to eat it if I'm wrong. Right. Because if, it, if it's just in my head, I can kind of trick myself. Right. 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 So like, that's that's, I, I've actually found a lot of benefit from putting it online. Right. Like my Teva thesis got busted. Um, Seritage thesis got busted. Azos got busted, right? And it's there. And it helped me get out, I think, faster than I would have if I hadn't done, hadn't done the videos. It's on the YouTube thing or just broadcasting or, or publishing stuff in general, it's, it's, kind of, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, yeah, it's like an accountability thing. Um, on the other hand, there's it's almost, it almost like magnifies the public pressure uh, if, you, if you're making a contrarian bet in general. Uh, as people might think you're doing it incorrectly, what either way, whether it be buying or selling. Um, and maybe that's an unreasonable thing to worry about probably is, but it's kind of hard to avoid anyways, just cause we're social creatures. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, it, it kind of, I think it magnifies it on both ends. It, it, it holds you accountable, but at the same time, it might make you a bit more emotional on the buys and sells because you have to then go, you don't have to do anything, but you probably feel obliged to go and, uh, tell people about it uh, on whoever you're following is. I don't know. Do you, do you kind of feel that same thing? Well, I, I, I guess the reason why, you know, we talked about what, what do you want to do on the channel? I was like, Oh, I talk about contrarian stuff. And like, mm-hmm. that's built on my personality, right? Like I, I really believe that people need a, an investment style that matches their personality. Right. Yeah, like yeah. I have been arguing with everybody my whole life. Like <laughs> if somebody says black, I'll tell you it's white. If, if everyone's going that way, I'll go that way. Just, because I'll find a good reason. You know what I mean? It's just like, sure. it's, and I don't actually mind if pe- people disagree with me. I don't, I don't, um, I, I don't naturally need confirmation, but I, I like a little bit. Right. But I don't, actually, yeah, right. I don't I don't mind if everyone's yelling at me. Well, yeah, at least not as much as the average person, perhaps. Yeah, if you, you, back, to, back to that, if you think you're not average, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, so what it's, about- a, it's a hard style to do if you like confirmation, right? Like it's really hard because you have to go against everybody almost on a lot of these. What, what about with information? Because the thing is like, if you're making a, a contrarian bet, chances are there's probably a lot of publications, a lot, a lot of reports, a lot of whatever on one side, but not necessarily the other. So you're maybe do you have, it's you probably have more of an informational hurdle to reach, or or some sort of hurdle to reach because there isn't just as as many resources uh, on, on the side that you're wanting to take as someone else. Like uh, yeah, like reports and and. Mm. analysis and that sort of stuff and maybe even company reports that, that you might want to see um is that a, is that a problem you've run into run into uh at this point or not really 
Uh, I don't know if it's like an obvious problem that I've noticed, but there would be less information. But there are other contrarian people out there, right? So sometimes you find yeah. a subject that has a really good point about it, right? The internet's a big place. Yeah, so it's, it's a big place, right? Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Oh, I, actually, I would say this about like if you. I don't know. Do you ever invest in commodities? Like- no, I, I did a little gold back back in uh, a couple of years ago, but it, it was never a huge thing. But uh, but yeah, I, but go on. But like, if you go into the commodities like gold, or you go to oil, or copper is a good one too. Like, yeah, there's only bulls because the, <laughs> the bears don't write their stuff down. They don't. They just ignore it, right? Like, if I'm a copper bear, like I'm just going to look at something okay. else. <laughs> So it's just, it's all confirmation bias everywhere in commodities, I find, right? Like gold bugs are crazy, right? I, I yeah. love gold myself. I, I, I've lost more money on silver than anything else. <laughs> I love, but good, find, a, find a gold bear argument. Yeah, There's right. A, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, you, you're, uh... yeah, I wonder why that is. But that, that, that is um, maybe it's because a lot of these gold bugs are often selling gold or, or have some link to it, at least with commodities or usually some sort of um, maybe it's a liquidity thing. I don't even know. Yeah, I wonder why that is. But that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like people you see, you, you see that with stocks, you see short, short theses, theses and, uh, and short reports and those sort of things. But you don't really see that with uh, a lot of commodities. Now, even weird. with commodity stocks, you don't see it as much. Maybe just because they're they should be covered plenty too, but yeah, I don't I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> but maybe maybe we're wrong and it's just a feeling. But uh, but yeah, at least from <laughs> my experience, yeah, I, I'm totally with you there. I haven't seen really much on the on the bear side. Uh, oil may be different. There are, there are some oil bears, but if you go to like like if you go into the copper arena, yeah, metals all just like electrification this and everything's going through the roof, and then the copper price doubles. And people go, copper still, see, it's, it's, it's just true. starting. It's just starting. It's just starting. <laughs> we're, we're like, no, no, this is the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's totally, that's totally right. Um, what about, uh, maybe we kind of, kind of wrap up our discussion on, on, the, on the whole patience idea with contrarian investing. Is it, because it's contrarian, you don't have a lot of people on your side, so you have to be patient or, Maybe st- stubborn if, if that's the right yeah, word. Maybe. So maybe just arrogant. Uh, you have to be uh, on the on the other side that people are taking, and you're probably going to get flack. You might get flack for it, or at least you'll see a lot of things and are going to be questioning what 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 you're saying, and that's going to be exhausting for just about anyone who's who's analytical. I would think. Um, what do you think? Oh, sorry. I don't. I didn't quite get the get it. Well, yeah. Just what, what do you think about the the patience required? Is 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 that the is that the number one thing here? Is that the the biggest uh, the biggest limitation, I guess, or the or the biggest thing you need to do contrarian investing? Just patience. It, it's a a little bit, but I think if you have a catalyst and a date, like sort of a range of time frame, you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. You just need the the patience to get to that point to see if you're right. Um, but if it's a buy and hold forever and just waiting like that's you know i don't i don't don't know if there's any more patience that you need because like if you're buying google for the long term you still have to wait 10 years to get all your money out of it right right so i I don't know if there's any more like investing is a patient 
patient's game, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking the same. Just like you need to you need to be patient in any form of investing. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to count like you know day trading as investing because that's that's its own thing. But for for proper long term investing, you have to be you have to be patient, and that's in any asset class. Mm. Um, Jack, do you have any Chinese stocks? No, not anymore. Uh, I, I had some Alibaba, but that was that was it. And even then, I was kind of hesitant on it. Um, it was really more of a a, a clone of uh, definitely not contrarian in that sense. It was a clone of a lot of others uh, that were in it, and Charlie yeah. Munger being the big one that kind of set it off. But uh, yeah, I, I never felt really good about that one. Um, but yeah, why do you ask? Uh, well, I mean, that would be an example of a contrarian play that requires patience, right? It's just like been beaten down forever. But what's what's kind of weird, actually, is just within this value space, because we're on things like this with the punch card community and, and kind of the similar overlapping communities in, in the value space. Uh, it's a pretty small world, at least in this kind of corner of the value world, this, this sort yeah. of long-term Buffett um, school, I'll call it. Um like it's not tiny, but it's definitely pretty small. And I feel like it, even within the smaller community, you almost get like a sort of echo chamber going. Maybe it's similar to kind of the the, the gold bug thing where oh, it's a yeah. relatively small space, but everyone seems to be saying the same thing. Uh, and I feel like we've gotten that with Alibaba at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe just the way algorithms work, you start seeing a lot of similar stuff. But um and that, that, that feels like a that feels like a problem. I, I don't know if it is or not. I don't know if you feel the same way about that. Oh no, I I, def, I I didn't really know how to put it to words, but I think I think you've just done it. I think that's totally true. Like, and you must notice, like, since you do videos mm-hmm. now on stocks, like I, I my my following is not very big, but like I get people telling me back my own thesis, right? And I'm like. I don't want to hear that. I know that. Tell me something. Argue with me. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't need to know. <laughs> right, right. It, it's it's just. I, I think it's just the nature of social media and the, and the internet in general. Um, it's very good at, at putting similar groups of people together. That was one thing I was actually kind of worried about with uh, the, um, with the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. It was just you're going to meet a bunch of people who all think the same thing. Um, and yes, there was a lot of common values, we'll say a lot of long-term investors, patience, pa- patience and trying to get educated, um, which that, that, that was, that was a good common denominator to have, but, um, I, I was pleased to see that there was a lot of diversity in, in, um, philosophies and, and positions on things. So, so that was actually pretty good. I, I was a little worried for a second, but it's such a big event that you get a good mix of people. Is that um, the first one you've gone to? Yeah, it was the first one I went to the, the, this year. Um, oh, congratulations! So. That's that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> have you have you been to it? I haven't been to one. It's still on the list, and I don't know if yeah. I'm going to get there. It, it, it's worth a trip. It, it was very good. It's a very good group of people. Um, we we had our punch card event, and that went really well. Um, and it was good to actually meet people who've been participating on our live streams for for quite some time, uh, and others who just had a friend who knew about us and came in. It was it was it was really cool. Um, so I definitely want to do that again next year. Um, uh, but, but yeah, back to kind of the original point, just like, especially in the internet, it's very easy to get into your niche echo chamber, even if it might be an echo chamber of a hundred people, that's enough to, to create some serious confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, and that's a problem when you're trying to be contrarian, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, or maybe, maybe it's not a problem. This depends on how, 
stoic you are, I guess. Can I, can I, I, I'm looking at the comments here. So Eunice has said that, you know, Turkey, nobody's covering Turkey. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, like now that we have Pabrai who's in Turkey, right. So all of us are looking at Turkey right? maybe the right. investing community isn't, but like as a contrarian play might be something more like Russia, right. That would be super sure. contrarian. Right. Sure. Um, I mean, even China's in that basket now too, right? Um, so I think that, but I do think, ter- you know, the, these countries, like if we look at countries, um, Argentina was was a big one. Like uh, I, I was actually looking at Argentina when they were in the middle of their, t- their total meltdown maybe three mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. and I bought one stock. I wish I had bought more, but, you know, like just looking at specific countries that are having problems um, because like, I don't know. Have you read uh, Dalio's debt book? I had the the more recent one, the Changing World Order one, or uh, oh, yeah, I haven't the, read one bef- the one before that about debt. I've only read principles from him, uh, so I've, I've read the debt one. Um, okay, because he basically says like he talks about how countries go through these debt defaults and everything collapses, but then there's natural adjusting mechanisms, right? When you get when the currency gets killed enough, then the exports become really valuable in the country right. get these for the foreign currency and it, it naturally reverses right so if you yeah, get a situation like turkey or or um Argentina, to the mean if you will right yeah 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 exactly right they don't they don't just go to, to zero countries don't go to zero <laughs> well <laughs> sometimes usually they do. <laughs> even, even in bad situations they usually don't go to zero but sometimes they definitely do <laughs> Zimbabwe, right? yeah or yeah a number of examples in history but they're pretty rare that's why they're notable um uh at least rare within a lifetime it's it's pretty rare if you, if you stretch it out over enough the time horizon then it's common <laughs> but but right. if it's, yeah just in every hundred years like yeah it's pretty pretty rare um Okay, well, and I guess any any final thoughts there? Um, definitely, I think we kind of covered a lot of uh, interesting philosophies there. If I do say so myself, Mike, <laughs> anything else uh, you want to talk about? No, you ask great questions, Jack. That we just led the conversation right down a great path. So oh, we we were just going wherever the conversation went. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, shout out to our man Eunice, who was very active in the chat, um, but. Uh, yeah, I guess with that said, um, everyone stay tuned for next week. We'll be having Mike's uh, first episode of, of his show uh, here on Punch on the Punch Card Investing Channel. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, definitely be in the more contrarian side of things. So if you liked this, then you definitely will enjoy Mike's show. So uh, with that said, like, comment, subscribe, all that great stuff. And until next time, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Punch Card Investing. The contents of this show should not be used as investment advice or as a recommendation to invest in a particular security. Please consult with a licensed investment advisor if you need investment advice. All investments carry risk and the potential for monetary loss. Thank you and see you next week.